Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Prosperity School, a podcast on a mission to uncover and share the secrets of living prosperously with success, wealth, and happiness. I'm Skylar Shah, life and business coach, public speaker, and author of A Pocketful of Happiness, a guide to creating your own happiness instantly, and Rewire Your Mind for Happiness, found exclusively at theprosperityschool.com. In the coming episodes, we will explore real-life stories and events, as well as diving deep into some of the best resources that bring my clients some of their biggest successes. The journey we're on is to bring out your happiest, most successful self, and this is where your journey begins. So before we really get into the depths of how to create happiness, prosperity, success and wealth, and all these wonderful superlative things, I think it's best to start with a story about how this even came about and how this was even created and why this podcast is even necessary at all. And I remember crying, not out of sadness, but out of pure 100% frustration. I was due to choose my A-levels, just five subjects that I would then carry with me for the rest of my life. This, for me, was a huge decision. You know, I'd gone through the normal British educational system and now I was at this point where I needed to go, okay, This is my life. I need to take my life and I need need to condense it into five subjects. And then next year, I'll condense it into four subjects. And then I'll soon become a refined, small person and have one solid idea of who I am. Except, and while this is okay for a number of people, I, I appreciate that it's not for most. You know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew that what I wanted to do was not going to be the normal thing that people do. I couldn't see myself being uh, behind a desk in an office. I couldn't see myself being something normal like an accountant or uh, a supervisor or a salesperson. It wasn't It wasn't this thing that inspired me or lit me up. And I felt like I needed something in my life to be able to do that. I couldn't just go to work and go home and then have the 2.5 kids and have the house and the dog and be comfortable and happy with that life. I don't know why I don't think I could have felt happy with that, but I didn't. So I was standing in my bathroom at 17 years old, crying, so frustrated. I remember looking at myself in the mirror and tears were streaming down my face and I didn't know how to stop it and I didn't know how to make this decision. I took some advice And I realised that actually things weren't always going to be these subjects. My life wasn't just going to be these five things. So I picked things that I thought I would find interesting. That would excite me in the moment. And this was good. And the next year, when the next year came, I remember feeling the same kind of frustration. This kind of, God, there's another year. There's another four subjects. And at the end of these four subjects, I'll then have to decide what my life is going to be. I couldn't take that. I couldn't take this idea of being able to narrow down my life and go, that's it, this me. You know, I would never have a a subject that I found I couldn't do well. And I think that was partly part of the problem for me. So I did the A-levels and I reduced it down to four the next year. And after finishing my A-levels, I found myself staring into the barrel of the gun of my future. Do I leave college? Do I take a chance and try and discover myself or find myself whilst working in a normal job or do I do what quite a few people end up doing which is going to university to pad out some time and work out what on earth is happening with my life. Well of course I did the latter right? I aggregated the course subjects that I had done in A-levels and 
put them together to choose the smartest decision to move forward with. At the time, I did media studies, photography, English language and psychology. So the natural thing for me to do was to condense those into something like journalism. I applied for a university and in fact I went to a few universities and I realised that I just did not want to be in those places. The establishments weren't, weren't very nice, the, the courses didn't seem to fit me. There was only one that I wanted to go to, the one course that I, I thought would enrich me in the way that I felt like I needed it. So unlike a lot of students applying for universities where you have first and second and third choices, I had one choice. And that was it. And I, I, put, I put all my money on that. I, I said, I'm going to go to this university and if I don't, then I'm going to sort something else out and, and make my mind up or decide something about my future eventually. So I applied and I got in to what was then the best journalism course in the country or in Europe for, for its specific course modules. I did the course and a year and a half in, I realised that I was spending a lot more time than my other peers working and less time partying, which isn't a problem. And I discovered that during this time I was dyslexic. No biggie, but uh, it definitely explained why being on a journalism course wasn't as easy as I thought it could have been or it seemed to be for other people. After finishing my journalism degree... I realised that it wasn't really what it was supposed to be for me. In fact, I realised two years in that I didn't want to be a journalist. I had these ideas of grandeur before I went into it. I thought I would change the world and make the world a better place and tell the stories that people would want to hear to impact their lives for the better. And it became clearer and clearer that it was actually going to be a little different to that. The reality of a journalist coming out of university, unless you've got friends in higher places or family in higher places, you would end up either working out of London on a very meagre wage and writing about things that weren't really important or working in London and commuting either well either in or out of London subsidizing your very low income for that and writing on behalf of a company that you didn't really believe with topics and subjects you didn't really believe in from a viewpoint you didn't believe in and it would all be disposable within the next day, within the next hours, depending on the media you'd use, it would be irrelevant and redundant. That's not the life I wanted. So after my journalism course, I spent a bit of time working out who I was again. I went home, as most kids do. I got a job. And while I did that, I worked out what was going to make me happy. I realised after watching many TED Talks and reading many journals and articles and books that actually I wanted to help people and the best thing I could do is to put myself in a position where I could do that more actively. So I trained as a hypnotherapist and in NLP. And it was great. I learned so many great skills. I learned so many tricks as well, which I still use to this day. But after the first half of the course, I realised that there was still something missing. I couldn't see myself sitting behind a desk, you know, not really using a Chevrolet's pendulum, but kind of hypnotising people and da-da, you're now not a smoker. Or da-da, now you're not going to eat chocolate all the time. You know, there was there had to be something more. On that course, there was a coach, a life coach, and she was assisting. And we had a conversation before the course term ended, the first half of it ended. And I realised that this was the person I needed to speak with. But I was scared. I didn't really know what to say, what to ask. And really, I backed off. I didn't speak to her for, for, for months until the course resumed. And when I did, I said, you know what? I need to stop being a little wimp. 
I need to go out there, I need to speak with her, I need to have a conversation and work out what there is that I can do that actually enriches me and lifts me up. We had a conversation, a two-hour conversation, and in that time, I realised that I wanted to be a coach. And actually, I'd been doing it for quite a long time before that. But again, I couldn't work to the confines of the way things normally were. I couldn't see myself being a coach and sitting behind a desk in an office for a company for people who don't really care about me and I don't really care about them. So I created my framework. I worked out exactly how I wanted to be doing it. I wanted, at this time I was in Bournemouth, and I wanted to be walking on the beach. I wanted to be coaching while we're talking. I wanted to be using nature and the environment around us to bolster and grow our session and and add to the impacts that we grow together. And so that's what I spoke out. I began working out how on earth to introduce this idea to people. And of course, I was young. I was, you know, in my early 20s. People didn't always take me seriously. But some people did. And those people who have, have gained a huge amount in resources. Not just financially, but mentally and in their relationships too. So that is my journey. The part of my journey that really formed how I am and who I am today. From then I've learned and I've grown and I've researched and I've worked with so many companies and people and individuals to be able to create great things. I wrote a book, A Pocket Full of Happiness, because I decided that I wanted to change something. I've been coaching for such a long time and I thought, you know what, I want to have just a little break. I want to do something a bit more creative, a bit more dynamic, a bit of a shift. And I said to myself, I'm going to give myself two weeks to write this book. I sat down and every single day I came downstairs, I had a ritual, I came downstairs, I put on a dressing gown, I put my back against the radiator, I sat on the floor and I just typed away. At the end of each day I had over 5,000 words and by the end of the week I had my book and I realised that I wanted to get it published but I already had it so I thought I'd design it myself. So I designed the interior and the exterior and I made it as easy to consume as possible. I made the font as easy to use because I learned about it because I was dyslexic. And I made the cover as appealing as it could be. I made everything as easy for for people to be able to take in the information, the resources. By that point, it was about six years of my life as a coach. And then I self-published. I created my own publishing company. And here I am today. Now, the reason why I wanted to have this podcast and to be able to share these stories with you, and not just my stories, but stories of other successful people who've created incredible things because they're living prosperously, is because this is something that we should all have access to. It's it's not just a, a gift. It is a right. We have the right to be able to live and feel prosperous and successful and wealthy and happy. But there are so many things that we let ourselves suffer from. And we suffer for many reasons, and a lot of the reasons that we'll discuss in later episodes are beneficial to us. But the thing is, we are happier, we are better, we are stronger than ever when we are successful and living prosperously. So this podcast is dedicated to that growth and your growth and the growth of everybody else who you can impact to because this is something that is necessary if we want this world to be the place that we really desperately want it to be, which is great and enriched. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Prosperity School. And if you are inspired to become more happy and get involved with creating more happiness and success and prosperity in your life, then do head over to theprosperityschool.com for your opportunity to get reading and listening to more resources to do just that. Thank you for listening. Until next time.